Well, there's a couple of cool things about that. Many of you know Pro-Am is our ministry partner in Europe, in Poland in particular, and you, you have a part in that school that Anya teaches, and uh, you have a part in that story. And then there's the double layer of the content of Anya and her husband is what we are largely dealing with this morning in this series we're in called How to Be Radical Without Being Weird. And I'm going to get to... Uh, some content that directly is involved in that dynamic going on in that relationship. We're glad you're with us. I got to say before I get started that would you agree with me that Troy and Bethany Crowley's $5,000 they spent on those ice skating lessons for their son growing up did not go wasted. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's one of the top 10 things I've ever seen at this church, okay? You know, we, we weigh a weekend, we evaluate a weekend on, on a number of things, but one of them is vulnerability. Were we appropriately vulnerable? 10 out of 10 on the vulnerability today. Would you agree? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, City Lights is set up out there, the booth, so if you want to meet some of our leadership team and ask questions about City Lights, that is our new movement, biggest thing we've ever tried. We will ultimately have about 500 positions of volunteer to fill with this movement to be a light in our city. Years from now, we feel like we had an effect to make this a better place to live. So, one of the realities about City Lights is it is our decentralized church without walls connection, community, and care movement. And if you have questions, we'd love for you to go out there, grab, you may have picked one of these up last week, or you may not have, the books that we're recommending, so you can understand the thinking behind City Lights. There's a book about the art of gathering, a book about how community really happens on just a natural sociological plane, and then one on the care of souls. And so we'd love for you to grab that and have uh, meet some people out there this morning, and um, right now, we're going to take up our generosity, and many of you know, because we're launching this, we're in a vein of those of you who are South Burkers and say, God's blessing us financially right now, would you just note to us that you're pouring more in due to City Lights, and I've had a number of families say, hey, the, what we were giving to day one, we're going to shift that over now to City Lights, and we need that because it's been, it's been a long time, and we've had to hire a couple of people, and we don't have the money for it, and we just got to do it because we're building, we're building a hospital, and there's a virus, right? I mean, we got to, we, we did, it's, it's just, it's just really, really something needs to get built, and so if God's blessed you, then we want you to, to uh, lean into that. Uh, Sherry and I are doing that. She doesn't know that yet, but uh, Sherry and I are doing that. And uh, we want uh, many of you to do that. Enneagram class is coming up, the growth-institute.org. You can sign up for the next Enneagram workshop, March 13th and 14th. And I understand the growth-institute is very important for you to go to the correct site. You notice there, growth-institute. That is our uh, curriculum that's been put together so we can grow. The second thing is March, first weekend in March, we have a 5S workshop. What is 5S? That is our strategy for how you can grow. Just engage in your spiritual practices uh, into solitude, scripture, service, support, and significant events, and watch if you don't grow. It's almost impossible not to grow in Christ if these practices are embedded into your life, uh, oriented around your personality. So that's coming up. A number of us are going to be leading that March 6th and 7th, and you can register for that at southbrook.org. Take a look at this picture. It's a famous drawing. What do you see when you look at this picture right here? 
How many of you see a pretty young lady with her head turned away from the shot? How many of you see an elderly lady in a scarf? All right, so the, the point of that optical illusion is if at first you see the beautiful young lady, it takes you a moment to see the lady in the scarf and vice versa. And that's the optical illusion of that picture. How many of you are, are, are going to be messed up the rest of this message because you never <laughs> did get it, uh, the, both sides? Yeah. Um, many of you remember back in the 90s, there was the magic eye puzzles. You remember those, those optical illusions? If you're a kid in the 90s, there was always that kid who, who got it immediately, right? Who got it immediately. And uh, so here are a couple, here are a couple. If you look at this, there is a shark swimming from right to left, and you don't have to be a shark nut to see it. There is a, sh like if you stare at that, and, and the whole idea was is that if you stared at a point and you looked through the picture, it's just kind of cool, it would eventually emerge. So sorry, we're not going to give you time to see that. Here's one that was big. Look at this picture. There, the image of Christ becomes very obvious in that. If you can't see Christ, you need this sermon today. So you really need, you really need to pay attention, okay? I mean, this is this is this one's for you, buddy, okay? Um, I, I want to show you one more here in a minute. But if you see a particular logo in this, then you need to give your time, talent, and treasures to City Lights. Look at this. If you can see a logo in that, can you see one emerging? Then you're in friend, you are in. You are all in on city lights, right? If you ever asked a question, when it comes to this whole Jesus thing, if it's such a big deal, if this wisdom is so beneficial for not just eternity, but for now, if, if, if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, why is it that some people get it and some don't? You ever wondered that? Any of you ever have siblings who seem to, they got it really easily, but you didn't? You know, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, okay, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Or, or you have, you have your, or you're married to someone, and they, they drag you here every weekend because they get it, and, and you know, what's, the, what's all the lion and the lamb and the singing and the blood and the, what's it all, prayer, what's it all about? And a lot of us have that question, especially when we run up against someone who we're a quarter of their IQ, we are a microscopic level of their net worth and and they don't get this Jesus thing and we're supposed to tell them you're doing it all wrong you don't get it you're doing life all wrong and we're not supposed to tell them that right but we sometimes wonder why is it some people see it and some people don't look at these words we're studying we're digesting the letter of 1 Corinthians in the New Testament. We pick up at chapter 2, verse 11. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. In the Psalms, it says, deep calls to deep. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? It's true. There are things that thoughts that you've had, no one knows. It's, it's true of everyone. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the pneuma. That's the words for spirit. The pneuma, from which we get the word pneumatic. The spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world. 
but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak. Not in words taught us by human wisdom. If you've been with us in previous weeks, you know we've been talking about the wisdom of this age versus the wisdom of God. Not words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. Look at this next phrase, the person without the Spirit. We're going to look at what that particular Greek word is. The person without the Spirit does not accept that things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. And cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit, and circle that because we're going to look, that's a different Greek word. Makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. They see through the picture. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But he says, by the grace of God, we have the mind of Christ. That God has activated something in us, he says, that allows us to see the universe the way Christ saw the universe. That allows us to see people the way Christ saw people. Right there, Paul delves into the issue. Corinth, remember, was a radical transformation for people because Corinth was a city that is the combination of Los Angeles, New York, and Las Vegas. And, and you know, prostitution was heavily involved in their idol worship and even pedophilia, and these people were coming to Christ. And so you can imagine how many of them had friends and family who were like, what? A cross is your source of life? It's foolishness. It's foolishness. Why is it some people get it and some don't? Look at these two words. This is the two words that I said you want to pay attention to. One is, he says, those who who operate with the Spirit, is the Greek word pneumatikoi, from pneuma, spirit. And this is a person who is sensitive to the possibility, the reality, that there are real things that you cannot see, that you cannot experience necessarily for validation's sake in the physical realm. This person is sensitive to the Spirit and their life is guided by the Spirit. So they have a fully integrated into the reality of the unseen. Those things which are seen are temporary, Paul would write in 2 Corinthians. Those things that are unseen are eternal. And this person is taking that, taking that action step of belief to say, I'm going to live my life by the Holy Spirit. And so that person... Paul says, sees wisdom in things like a cross, which is, remember, that's the equivalent in our day of seeing wisdom in an electric chair. What's, what's that about? Now look at this other word that he uses, though, and this is the word those who live without the Spirit, just according to the wisdom of this world, is sukikos, and you'll notice the word suke, it comes from the word suke, from which we get our word psychology. Psychology was, literally means the study of the soul. So suke is often translated just as soul, but it's actually more than that. Uh, the sukikos person is the person who's sensitive only to the principles of the physical life. 
So one of the things about suke is suke was that part of you that is your mind, your personality, and your body. They all come together to form this reality of your soul. Your One of the ways we would put this is your physical life force. You ever said this phrase, she has a big soul. When we mean by that, when we say that, is this person, in, when you're in their presence, when you hear her talk, she has this uh, expansive effect. And we're not just talking about a, a, an internal thing, but it's something that gets expressed. And so the sukkakas person is the person who is only sensitive to that physical manifestation, that physical reality. And Paul says there are implications in what you see in life when it comes to either being a person who is pneumaticoi and I have chosen to activate, turn off your phone, <laughs> activate, deactivate your phone, uh, uh, the, the pneumaticoi or the person who's sukkakas is like they're just operating on a physical material plane and they don't, you know, they don't get it. You can, so this is real important, you can have a big soul and you're dead spiritually. I mean, you, can, you, I mean, you never know somebody, they don't think, care about God at all, but they're generous, maybe, or they're, they're just a good person. That's great. You can, you, can be a, you can be a happy person who's spiritually dead. I know some of us who are doing the Christian thing, we don't like to hear that because if we're not going to have as much fun, I don't want them to have as much fun. I don't want them to enjoy life. But the per, every, every animal has, uh, almost every animal has, suk, has sukikas. People say, when it comes to the physical reality manifestation of the physical being, my dog Rafa has a, just an awesome sukikas, right? Has an awesome suke, soul. So dogs have souls. Cats have neither souls nor spirits. They, they're, not, they're, not, they're, not, they're not nothing. Nah, that's not true. I just love to push the buttons. I love cats. I just love to push the buttons of cat people because they're this big. <laughs> Sorry. But, but look at this. Look at this. You, you can, you can, your body and mind can be alive, but your spirit's dead. Because what is the spirit? The spirit is the interface between this physical reality, your, your mind and body, your soul and body, and the spirit of God. So one of the ways when I teach us to understand this is this way. We have a great tool. Let's imagine that this is a cell phone. And the body of this cell phone the, the buttons of this cell phone, what I see manifested and how I have my app set up and the, the brightness of it, that would be, that would be your suke. That would be, that's your hardware. Your, your suke is your hardware. It's the soul and body of you integrated together. But your pneuma is the software. That's what allows you to connect with the Wi-Fi signals that are around you all the time. Real interesting thing on this, there, in recent history, very recent history, we didn't even believe the radio signals that right now are in this room. Right now are in this room. We didn't even believe they existed. Matter of fact, there is a recent period in our history where if you had one of these and you started talking to another person who had one of these, you would literally be burned at the stake for witchcraft. 
Because that doesn't exist. That's not real. And now we know it's very real. That's why one of the reasons those of you who are very left-brained, scientifically oriented, and say, I just don't believe in things I cannot see, taste, touch, feel, etc., be careful. Because your science 140 years ago that you concluded was absolute has now been proven to be inadequate. Remember, in 1905, someone suggested to Congress that they close the United States Patent Office because all the great inventions had been made. Because then we knew everything, right? Like today, we know everything there is to know. No, we don't. I think it's a safe assumption to make that no, we don't. And so when you say, God, I want to connect with you, what you're saying is I want to activate my software that connects with the spiritual Wi-Fi signal that you're sending out all the time. God is here and he is not silent. And why is it some people get that signal and some people don't? It's because they have chosen to activate their spirit. You see, the real question with spiritual reality is not whether you can, but whether you want to. That's the question. You say, I can't believe. No, you've chosen not to believe. Karl Marx did not believe, and it wasn't because of an intellectual issue is because his dad, who was a church man, was incredibly abusive and his, it killed Karl Marx's spirit and he became a tyrant against anything of faith. Why? Because it wasn't an intellectual issue that kept him from activating the software of the spirit. It was an emotional one, wasn't it? It was a spirit issue. And so look at this right now. And I want you to look at your own life. Don't look at someone else. The question we always have to ask is, do I want to download the software of NUMA? Because if you want that, I'm going to show you in a minute how to go into that. Now, this has huge implications, by the way. Huge implications. If you're a person, you just operate in Sukhikosh, you need to understand that philosophy. If all we are is the latest model of the ape, all we are is sophisticated pond scum, and there's no spiritual reality, here's what it impacts, the big three. Money, sex, and power. If all we are is material, then money is the weaponry of the game, right? He who dies with the most toys wins. That's why the person who is only operating in, in Sukhikos can, that's why you'll never really understand the spiritual value of generosity. Because if we're only natural, it makes no sense to be generous to a God you cannot see and on and on and on. It makes no sense to trust in that because you're operating in a, in a vein that is, is totally limited to the physical realm. Totally limited to the exchange of hard cash. And whoever has the most of it wins the game if all we are is food for worms after we die. What about sex? Oh, this is what lets us sex traffic girls. You know what? Because all we are is animals. Sex doesn't matter. It's a physical action. Why, why can someone sex their friend and it doesn't matter? Why, why, why do we need to be chaste and pure sexually? It's just the exchange of fluids. That's all it is. It's an animal act. All that matters is satisfaction. We're going to get to this in May and, and June. When we get to chapters 5, 6, and 7, where Paul says sex matters to the spirit and the soul of a person. 
And so this person will never understand generosity really at, a, at an eternal level. This person will never understand chastity and purity. The person who lives in Sukkot will never truly understand human dignity. You know why? Because power is all about the survival of the fittest. Whoever has the most power has the right to exercise that power because there is no human dignity if there is no spiritual reality. This is what's real interesting, is if you operate totally in a naturalistic realm, you have to admit that Hitler was right. He was playing by the rules of naturalism. Just dehumanize Jews. Just dehumanize Africans. And then if you have the power to annihilate them because they're inconvenient for you, wipe them out. That's a logical conclusion from operating in the naturalistic realm. So you can see, friends, especially so many of our students are being taught a naturalistic philosophy that all we are is, is sophisticated animals, then no wonder we have problems with the abuse of money and sex and power. So what about you? What if you're here today and you say, you know, I'm here. I mean, there are two people here right now. There are people who you want to activate your spiritual software, and then there are those of you who were dragged here, and you really don't want to be here right now. But now this message is maybe possibly making you lean in. and Because you're saying, there's hope for me? One of the follow-up questions that I posted for this week is this, is this question, would you be willing to pray this prayer? And here's what I'm going to lead us in at the end of this hour. God, give me. I want the mind of Christ which means I want to see the world the way Jesus saw the world. I want to see people the way Jesus saw people. Help me to see it. Help me to see the moments, the movements, and if it ever happens, the miracles that show you are there and you are not silent. This is real important. I've never had what I would view as a miracle. We use that term miracle really loosely. Like, like, it was a miracle that we met at the mall. Well, a miracle is a suspension of natural law. I'm going to actually tell a story at the end here that some people say, that was a miracle. No, it wasn't a miracle. But it could have been a movement that resulted in a moment. If I never had a miracle, my faith wouldn't be shaken at all because my faith is, is not built on miracles, movements, or moments it's built on fact, it's built on truth, and as a result of that, I'm able to see in retrospect oftentimes the moments where it was clear God was there and the movements of God in my life to where, wow, it just builds, it weaves that golden gate bridge of faith. So God, help me to have the mind of Christ that I might be able to recognize your moments, movements, and if it be your will, your miracles, that I might see your, relationship, your relevance so that I might have a relationship with you. When I look at this text, here are some truths that I think of. I cannot change anyone. That this, this integration of my spirit with God's spirit is a mystery. It's why Dallas Willard called his classic on this, The Divine Conspiracy. God has to conspire to show enough of himself to you that you know he's there, but not too much that he obliterates your free will. Because if he showed himself fully to you, you would be annihilated. You, you, you would be nothing. You, no person can see God and live. So God conspires to show enough, and he can change anyone. And why does prayer matter if you don't believe? 
is because prayer is that action step before you believe that says, God, I'm open to the possibility of a spiritual reality. You can change anyone, including me. That's why that prayer that we're going to post this week may be the most pivotal prayer that you've ever had in your life. If you have a problem with this faith thing, but you want it, and you start praying that, and you take that action step, you'll be amazed in a week, a year, ten years. I don't know how long it'll be for you. The software gets downloaded. And you start seeing movements and movements of God. You see, belief is the action that activates the spiritual software. Belief is the action. The word for belief is pistes, which does not mean, okay, I agree. The word pistes meant, I believe, so I act. I do something. And so a lot of us think that, well, when I see God's a miracle, when I, God writes it in the skies, when it's really obvious that God was moving there in the moment, and when I see that, then I'll have belief. No, belief is actually the action you take so that you can download that spiritual software. Uh, if, you, if you, for example, have a broker, if you trust her, you, you're not saying, I believe my broker exists. No, if you trust her as your stockbroker, you will say when she offers a stock tip, what do you, if you trust her and you believe in her, what are you going to do? You're going to follow that stock tip. It's an action. And so belief is that action that activates spiritual software where you begin to get that Wi-Fi connection with God. And Jesus operated this way. It's amazing. He would constantly say this phrase. Remember this phrase? If you read through the Gospels, you see this all the time, especially in like Mark 4, Matthew 13. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. That was his way of saying, do you want this? Do you want, are you willing to take the step of faith? So that's why he would say to a man who was born blind, now go wash your eyes in the pool. That guy had tried that many times, but with faith as a statement of belief, he was healed. He'd said to the withered man, the hand with the man with the withered hand, stretch it out. And this man who had been ashamed of his hand for so long, he had to choo choose to do that. Jesus could have healed, he could have healed him with his hand still in his pocket. But Jesus said, Do you trust me? That you step out in faith. To the man who was by the pool of Bethesda, and he was lame, and he'd done that for almost 40 years, and he was pretty comfortable in his victimization, probably. Jesus said, Do you want to get well? Then pick up your mat. And wait a minute, Jesus. When I see you work, then I'll pick up my mat. No, he says, you pick up your mat first. And I'll show up. And that's why this, this, this process of even why Jesus told parables. Why did he tell parables? It's so that those who are seeing may ever see. And those who do not want to see, do not see. He wasn't saying, I don't want some people to see. He was saying, I'm not just going to lay this out. you got to want it you got to want it like the next air you suck into your lungs. Jeremiah the prophet would say, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Do you want that software? Because I'm not going to download it for you. It's your choice. This is the divine conspiracy. This is the mystery of the divine and the human integrated together to mind, soul, a body, soul, and spirit. 
And, and I, I, I think there are many of you who are, Jesus would say, you are not far from the kingdom of God, he would say. You're not far. It's a matter of you choosing to say, I want the software. One time, the great Louis Armstrong was asked to define jazz. And he responded, man, if you've got to ask what it is, you'll never know. And sometimes it feels that way with the gospel of Christ. What is it? Just listen to the jazz. Just choose to listen to the jazz. And then one day you'll go, I get it. I get it. Understanding jazz is not about reading books about jazz, although that may help. You've got to sit down, you've got to listen to jazz. And one day it clicks, I get it. I, I was 21, I was stuck. I, I, was, I was, like a lot of 21-year-olds, I was physically alive. Oh, I wish I could jump now like I jumped back then. <laughs> I was physically alive. I had a lot of soul excuse me, soul in regards to I had a competitive energy. That was a part of my soul. My spirit was dead. And to me at that point, Christ was religion. I went through a period where I just quit on church, but it was a very short period because I still would check in. I would still check into church. I'd clock in. Any of you remember those days? You know, I still went to church. I clocked in. But my spirit was dead. And then some things happened to where I started looking into this, and that's when he became relevant. So there's a stage of relevance where I, start look, I started re-looking at the Gospels. And I chose in that phase to download the software. And when that happened, Christ became real because I was integrating a step of faith with reading the historical scriptural Jesus and seeing how those bonded with what I knew to be true of life. And once that software was downloaded, it moved eventually into a relationship, and I will never go back to religion. You may, through a prayer, have never raised a body from the dead. Do you know prayer can raise spirits from the dead? Including yours. But if you say, God... I want the mind of Christ. I want the volition and the integration of ideas and information to allow me to see the world the way he did. And by that, I choose to see that there is a reality very similar to radio signals that is real, and I don't see it. It's real. Jesus said the wind blows, and you don't see the wind, but you see its effects. You see its moments and its movements, and sometimes its miracles. And if that's your prayer, I fully believe this. You can, you can, by the power that raised Jesus from the dead, have that same spirit. And your spirit becomes alive with Christ. A couple of weeks ago, Diane Scharf, a dear, dear friend, was considering the call to lead a huddle. Now, many of you involved in our, in our movement of discipleship were in a huddle, you, you get into a relationship where you're pouring into one another, training each other, discipling each other in the way of Christ. And then once you do that, you pass that on to others. And she had been called to lead another huddle. 
and she was feeling very nervous, very insecure about that. And she said one day, one early one morning a couple weeks ago, as she's considering taking this step and leading other people, which is a very daunting thing. Like when I talk to you about God, trust me, I'm trying to explain the Pacific Ocean, and all I have is a cup of water. Okay, <laughs> that's really all I have to explain God. I mean, this is, this is daunting. And so to lead, a, how to lead anything spiritually, if you really understand it, it is, what did I just do? <laughs> did I, 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 I'm telling you more today than I know. Does that make you feel good? I'm telling you more than I really know about this. I mean, it's just amazing. And so she was feeling really insecure, but she had to be studying the book of Daniel. And in the Old Testament, there's this amazing story of when, because of their faithfulness, three friends of Daniel's named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thrown into a fiery furnace because of their faithfulness. And while they're in there, a fourth person shows up. Many scholars believe there are many instances of this in the Hebrew scriptures. It is the pre-incarnate Christ who says, you know, basically saying, I'm here with you in the fiery furnace. And they come out, and, and they don't, they're not touched by the flame. They, their clothes don't smell. You ever have where your spouse comes home from a long day, and you go, oh, man, you went to city barbecue for lunch today, didn't you? you know? I mean, that's not going on. There's no city barbecue smell coming off them. They, they're, they're not touched. And it's because God, I think it was Christ, was in there with them. And Diane said, no kidding, this is what happened. Diane said, in that moment, I realized that that in my spirit, I was just feeling like the Lord was gently saying, Diane, I'm with you. And if I can be with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in a fiery furnace, I'm going to be with you in leading this huddle. You go for it, girl. No kidding. Right at that moment, their wood stove, which the previous night had had a fire going, poof, rekindled and just out of nowhere was lit up. Now, you can imagine, Dan, Diane was spooked. <laughs> she was like, what just happened? And there are two reactions from that. One is that the previous night's embers were still there, and a, a, a wind came through, and boom. Now, many people say, that was a miracle. No, it wasn't a miracle. A miracle is if there was absolutely no, no essence of anything that can start a flame in there, and the grill starts on fire, okay? I mean, that, that's, that, would, that would be a miracle. But it could have been a movement, and it could have been a moment. Either way, she could say, God, I'm just going to take this as an affirmation that you're with me. I'm just going to take that as that. Now, when she told that story, here's what I thought of. Elizabeth Barrett Browning said these words, Earth is crammed with heaven, and every bush is aflame with God. And only those who know take off their shoes. The rest sit round and pluck blackberries all the time. Here's the question you have to answer. Do you see first and then take off your shoes? Or do you take off your shoes? And then you see. Let's pray. Father, there are those of us who today, you just lit our flame through this word because we say, I want the software operating, engaged in seeing the moments, the movements, and it ever happens, miracles. That ever happens. 
that like the, like the followers of Jesus early on, they could look back and go, God was in that, wasn't he? Yeah, he was in that. And I don't know if we'll ever have our own burning bush moment. I don't know if we'll ever see a movement where you breathe in a wood stove at the right moment. But I do know that when we want to interface with you, in the words of Francis Schaeffer, you are there and you are not silent. For that guy or gal that life has killed their spirit, I pray that they walk out of here today knowing a prayer can resurrect a dead spirit. That if they say to you today, God, I don't know if you're there or not, but I want the mind of Christ. I want to live a life that transcends the physical, natural realm. and I live my life by that which I cannot see, by the one I cannot see. But I'm able to see movements and moments that affirm my faith. And I pray for, we, we at this church, we have a heart for that guy and that gal. That the things they've experienced have been so painful, often done in the name of religion. And we lean into the promise of Jesus that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will raise you up also in spirit. It's there. We may never resurrect someone like Lazarus, but prayer can change anyone. Prayer can make every spirit live again. Thank you. We give this to you in the power and the name of Christ. And everyone said, amen. See you next week, everybody.